This is it. We all did it. We've all three of us seen the film. Yes? Mm hmm. Yes. 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 Just finished. Just fi- you, Daryl, you, okay, so you went to like what, a 7 p.m. screening? Yeah, I went to a 7 p.m. opening night here yeah. in the United States. It was the first time I've been to a movie theater in who knows how long. Right. And Maybe a year or so. Probably more than that, honestly. Yeah. I think the last movie I saw was Bloodshot. Did I watch that in the theater? <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> well, maybe. No, I doubt it. I think yeah. that was like a VOD thing, pandemic release. Uh-huh. Well, I had a nice movie experience. It was a little bit unusual at Where'd first. Where'd you go? Williamsburg Cinema. I think we've been is, nice. No one likes the Tuna podcast, by the way. The world's premier fast and Furious F9, the Fast Saga podcast. Yeah, yeah. My name is Nick Nocera. Daryl Wong. And we're here with our good friend of the pod, Max Siskin. Max, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Daryl, sorry, I interrupted you. That's you okay. went to the Nighthawk. No, I went to Williamsburg Cinema. My mistake. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we took our masks off. I was sitting with a bunch of strangers. There's supposed to be like seats in between seats. None of that was happening. Everybody <laughs> was just there. And you could tell it was like... It was nobody had been in the movies in a long time. Nobody knows how to do anything. Everybody's yeah. talking and shit. It was a little bit annoying at first, but it ended up being super funny. Um and did you get like popcorn and shit? We got some candy. Nice. Some yeah. Twizzlers. Nice. Apparently Max, they make you saw it. sorry. Sorry, Daryl. They make Starburst minis, which are terrible. Don't Ooh. try them. Don't get them. Are they was like even skinners? smaller Starburst? They look like little, um, like, dentine gums. What were no those Butterfinger tiny things? Butterfinger bites? Is that it? No, smaller than a bite. Butterfinger, <laughs> Butterfinger <It's>... dots? I don't know. Either way. Encroach on the Reese's Pieces market. Um, Max, you saw it earlier today, a matinee, correct? I did. I, I went to an afternoon screening yeah. at Kaufman in Astoria. Nice. Good it was theater. a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. People were packed in there, no masks. People were yelling and talking. It was a real, <laughs> it was a real experience, and it, it definitely felt like no one had been in a movie for a while. Okay, so another thing about that, I, yeah. I fell victim to this as well. Nobody can uh, hold the bathroom anymore. There were like twenty <laughs> people that went to the bathroom, including myself. I was just like, "What am I supposed to do here?" Just being able to use the Netflix pause button. And just the guy next to me went to the bathroom as it was starting. <laughs> <laughs> In the first set piece. <laughs> so, um, I saw it, I had a little bit of a different experience. I saw it two or three days ago. Went to a matinee, a, a, a 1 p.m. screening on a Wednesday, I think. Because it's been out since last weekend here. Brunch showing. A brunch showing. And I was just like, I watched, we recorded our last episode uh, on Fate of the Furious. And then I was going to see it the next day, but I had, I just ended up having a couple things to do each day before Wednesday. So saw it Wednesday. And I go to the theater and I, I kind of fucked up. I have a routine at the theater. I get the junior popcorn, I get the bag of M&Ms, and I get a small Coca-Cola. And they're always like, do you want to just get a small 
popcorn, which is the next size up, do a combo deal. It's like only 25 cents. I'm like, no. I have the junior is the appropriate amount of popcorn. It's the appropriate ratio of M&Ms in the popcorn and it's the right amount of soda for me. Okay? This time I was feeling it. I was in a mood. <laughs> I got up to the ticket booth and I was like they were like, "Do you want to combo this?" I was like, "Let's combo it. Let's do it." <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Way too much popcorn for the amount of M&M's I had. Threw off the entire ratio of movie snacking. And Are you dumping them in? Oh, yeah, I'm dumping them in. Oh, shit. Oh. Power move. I feel like, is, is, there, is there not like a, like a science problem where they like go to the bottom? Uh, no, because the kernels have so many sort of leafy scoops okay. in them that they get caught enough mm. at the top where they don't all just fall down to the bottom. I love it. Good question. Are you are well you done. counting? Are you counting on or trying to avoid a M M&M and M melting situation based on well, the serving temperature of the popcorn? This is the great thing about New Zealand is I don't love hot fresh popcorn. I like a very medium temperature popcorn. Okay, so two <laughs> things that happen is like they have prepackaged popcorn. This is the best thing about New Zealand. They have these prepackaged boxes of popcorn that have flaps on top that fold down, and they put them under the little heat lamp, right? They prepackage right before a big movie is going to walk in. So they can just grab them and give them to you. Great. That way the popcorn is not super hot and fresh. Okay? I get in the movie theater. I always wait until the movie starts to start my movie snacking experience. Pro move. Because I'm civilized. Mm -hmm. So by the time the movie starts, it's 15 minutes later, it's had enough time to get to like that medium stage. Okay? So there's no melting worry. The other great thing is, because they're in these prepackaged, I can unfold the flaps, and it unfolds in a way where there's a little bit of depth at the top. So the popcorn isn't overflowing, and I have space for the M&Ms to sit comfortably in without falling out of the popcorn. It's like a I German to toilet. Eat popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds um, great. It is great. But the problem is I got too big of popcorn. I had I had to like eat way more popcorn to M&M's and about a quarter of the way down I chomped my tongue so hard it started bleeding. <laughs> like this is like 10 minutes into the movie. And so I'm spending the rest of the movie with like a tongue injury, like nursing a tongue injury <laughs> but still trying to like eat the popcorn and it's salty. This is why you need a preseason. Yeah. Mm. This is bad all around. So. Get ready on the chewing. I had a uh, theater stack that I've never had before. Oh. Doritos nachos. Mm. So it was a bag of Doritos with cheese and jalapenos. Whoa. Serious. Whoa. That's a that that's a menu offering good. or is that That a- was a menu offering. Mm. I had not seen that before. Is a bag the best Dorito like So they hand you they hand you the bag and then also an empty container. Oh, so you can like pour them in. So you can dump your Doritos into it. And cheese and jalapeno them up. It was good. Or is it all together in one pre-package? There's like a a packaged Ken's cup of cheese. Right. And then a like a pop-top thing of jalapeno slices. Pretty good. good. Yeah. That's good. Um, All right. Let's let's talk about this movie. (laughs) 
Let's talk about this movie. A movie we've been waiting, I mean, over a year to talk about. Um, let's just launch into, like, overall thoughts. Daryl, do you want to give, like, your first, like, first knock it out of the park overall impressions? I mean, I had a good time. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. It was not the good time I thought I was going to have, mm-hmm, but I had sure. a good time. Yeah. It sort of felt like a kid's movie, and I think based on the audience experience that I had, like mm-hmm. it was one big ha-ha for everybody. And at, at points, I was trying to sort of like raise my nose and be like, hey, whoa, this, guys, this is a serious thing that we're doing right now. Uh-huh. And it could not be stopped, all right? The momentum was carrying itself, and this was a comedy movie. Yeah. Um, Max? I definitely got the comedy movie vibe as well. I did enjoy it a lot. A lot, a lot. Right. But it definitely was um, kind of a big joke that everyone was in on except for Vin. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that... I thought that that element came out the most and the worst with um, Tej and Roman. And Ramsey. And they're, mm. I like how they sort of are leaning into the thruple energy of those three. <laughs> but I. Well, who else is she going to hang out with? Yeah. Vin? No. <laughs> but I don't like that they made that aspect of the movie like Looney Tunes. Basically, like I felt like, especially that bridge driving scene. Oh, by the way, spoilers <laughs> ahead. For all Fast and Furious F9 (laughs) stuff. If you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to this. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. The bridge driving scene where, like, the bridge is cracked and they're they're driving on the fall. That's some Wile E. Coyote shit. 100%. 100%. It was like Looney, out the box Looney Tunes stuff. And that's, I mean, here's the thing with you and I, Daryl, I feel like, is we have this opportunity here on this podcast to, like, take a step back and look at a little perspective that element may grow on me is i'm saying is all i'm saying you know what i mean it may be an element of this movie in particular that grows on me a little bit and there may be watch throughs in the future where i'm like i'm just digging this this week you know and Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good thing about this podcast but it also may worsen over time too Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a possibility i think Um, yeah. All right. Also, well, just to stick on that. Yeah. Or the, uh, kind of less serious parts of the movie. Tej and, well, uh, Tyrese and Ludacris's, like, almost figuring out that they're in a movie (laughs) was pretty great. (laughs) Yes. 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 I so, were. Uh, yes. I, I thought. I thought they were going to yes. get a little closer. Yes. <laughs> I was. I was a little sad when Ludacris was like, "Oh no, you're an idiot." Uh-huh. That was another element. Just in the movie, I was like irked by it first. Like when he shoots all those guys, and it's sort of surreal. And then he's like, "I got shot, but I'm not hurt. Like maybe I'm invincible." Totally. Are we leaning into this meta narrative? I was like, "Come on!" And by the end, when they're in space, and they're like. Maybe we're invisible. Let's crash into the satellite. I was like, okay, I can, I can get on board with this. Yeah, let's um, turn that on That definitely the worked. Yeah, I think it worked pretty well. Um, my overall experience was like, 
I feel like I just, uh, for big chunks of the movies, I just felt like I missed a lot. Like, there was these crazy action scenes which had a lot more CGI in them than previous main franchise movies, which irked me. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I was, so I was sort of like a little bit started off disappointed in the action scenes. I got, they got better as they went on, I feel like. And then I, I felt like the expositional dialogue, I was just like missing it all. Like, I, I understand there was like two sides of this sphere that they had to put together and like the little girls, the cipher and whatever. But I, I, I didn't, I was just like miss, I was like, okay, what are they, ha- what are they trying to do? Like, why, what is the threat here? Like, what are they trying to do? What's, okay, it's a big weapon and it arms these global satellites or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get it. But as, as soon as I stopped caring about getting it, because I knew I was going to watch this movie 20 more times over the next however many years, <laughs> I was like, all right, I can roll with this. Yeah. But, but I have to say... I thought the flashbacks, which we should talk, we're gonna get, well, let's get into this. Yeah. I thought it was fucking incredible. <laughs> okay, okay, I okay. Love them. Yeah. Before we get too far, yeah. I thought the dialogue was terrible. I yes. was able to follow generally because it was totally unveiled. Like, yeah, like, oh, yes. yeah, we're just gonna tell you what's happening. I'm gonna ask a question. That's supposed to tell you what's going what's on happening? here. Yeah. I thought that was sort of. Yeah, no effort was put into writing it. Like, yeah. sort of who cares, and I embrace the who cares aspect of it. And notably, Whatever. no Chris Morgan on this movie. Mm-hmm. Who wrote, right. you know, four, five, six, seven, and maybe yeah. eight? Yeah. So, so back to I, what you were... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, back to what you were saying. Like, when we opened the movie mm-hmm. on the at the racetrack, I was like... Oh my <laughs> God! He nailed it. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. So it, it turns out, and I think, yeah, I think, I think maybe the way to bridge the conversation here is that, like, I thought you nailed it. You were like ninety percent there. I wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, I thought yeah. I nailed it. As soon as like the race car <laughs> opens and the Toretto tag is up top, and I, you understand his flashback, I was like. Oh! Oh my god Yeah But not quite there Turns out They're real brothers Real brothers Yeah Yeah. Um But A genetic mishmash Yeah That was the one Confusing tidbit In the brothers thing Was like Was it Cypher Who's talking to Jacob And she's like Oh I knew there was A genetic mashup In the Toretto family But you have some And then In you and then Helen Mirren was saying that they have similar facial features. <laughs> Which I do want to touch on because, Daryl, I owe you a mea culpa. Okay. I watched this trailer maybe three or four times. And you were kept saying over the course of our recording this podcast that John Cena and Dominic Toretto look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and I... I basically was like, no, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. And then I get in the theater and I start watching this movie and they're like face to face. (laughs) The camera's like right up here on their face and there's a back and forth scene. And I was like, these two dudes look exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I apologize. You were right. You were right. Yeah. I was wrong. You were right. I think one of the things that aided that was the like beautiful, uh, like textured bronze Jeez. that they colored. Yeah, that they colored everybody. Big wow. Time. I mean, that's a that's a makeup artist that knows how to uh, design their work around a like 4K to 10K movie experience. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Um, so flashbacks. What did y'all think uh, overall of the flashback device? The quality of the flashback scenes. I fucking loved it. <laughs> there is no place I want to spend more time. The 1989, wherever that was in Southern California. Yeah. Give me as much of that as possible. I want to see the stock car, the entire, the entire arc of what's his dad's name, Jack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack that Toretto. whole racing career, and also uh, Michael Rooker. Young, they found yes. someone to play young Michael Rooker who looked. Exactly <laughs> like Michael. I I literally was sitting totally. there being like, "Is that is that the guy from fucking Guardians?" Yeah. And then later, the old guy actually from Guardians showed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible casting. Well, terrible right. casting with John Cena's younger self. You think so? Oh, Finn Cole. I did not love it. Didn't love it. Okay, Daryl. Thoughts on Finn Cole as young Jacob? Pro Finn Cole. Pro I, uh, I'm pro Finn Cole also. Yeah, I recently, yeah, in last year I watched all of Peaky Blinders. So it was a uh, pleasant surprise to see young Finn Cole here. Yes. And honestly, like, I liked, I liked the matchup of Finn Cole to John Cena more than young Vinny Dom Bennett to. Is the young wow, man's name. wow. I yeah. disagree. I definitely disagree. I, I liked thought, Finn Cole. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just thought I thought it was better. I think the, mm. I think the uh, the what's his name Vinny, Wait, Vinny who's the Bennett, actor? Vinny mm-hmm. Bennett. I mean, that should have been disqualifying right there, Vin. Yeah, <laughs> Vin and Vinny, Vin and Vinny. That's probably right. how, the, how he he got the job. I I did think the Finn Cole thing worked because I can imagine like the vengeance of. Jacob turning him in from this like skinny little twig rat Finn Cole into a giant genetic monster of John Cena. <laughs> like his vengeance just puffed his body up to a degree, you know? Um, but okay, I, I gotta talk about Vinny, Vin- Vinny Bennett. I thought he was maybe the best performance in this movie. I, I, I loved it. And I loved I you know me and how much I hate computer face. <laughs> and I just I loved so much that they were like, nah, we're just gonna like do flashback scenes and recast Vin Diesel, the star of our <laughs> franchise. A person who who we all know what he looks like when he's younger. That's the other crazy part. It's like everybody knows what Vin looks like. You know? So it's so easy for studio people or Justin Lin or anybody to just be like, yeah, I mean, we're just going to like do the computer face thing and like get him like a young Vin Diesel in there and Vin will do the voice and it'll be great. 
But they didn't do that. They cast this kid, Vinny Bennett, who is like clearly doing like an in an approximation. I won't go as far as to say like in an imitation of Dom. I don't really think his goal was to like make the character his own. But that's he doesn't ha- he shouldn't be doing that, you know? It was like it was just it hit all the right notes for me. This, every time the flashback went, like, it, the movie started off so hot and heavy with the flashback, and I was like, yes, this rules. <laughs> like, please. And then, the, you know, the car burns up, and I was like, I hope to God they go back. And then they did, and every time they went back to the flashbacks and did more, like, Vinnie Bennett stuff and more Finn Cole stuff, I was just like, I... I this movie is popping and it's moving and I love it and let's make yeah. a whole movie of this. This is great. Yeah. I love I loved it. Specifically loved about it. the voice, I really liked how it wasn't an imitation of Vin. Yeah. It was this is 33 years or whatever. And I don't I saw somewhere online that it was meant to be like 1989 or something. Well, I don't that, know. It says that in the Oh, it opening. does. Okay. Yeah, it says 1989. So so 32 years your voice changes. Yeah. You know, but, and he had the, like, the, 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 um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, he was doing it the way Vin would do it, just the voice yes. was different. Yeah, and he had, he, he sounds a hell of a lot more like Vin Diesel in the first Fast and Furious, who sounds <laughs> so yeah. different, right, from yeah. now. Totally. Uh, that, I, I just think, like, I just, it was just amazing. I love the flashbacks so much. Yeah, can't get over it. It does, it does seem like we are in for maybe more of these, this whole world. Like, why not? That sounds great. (laughs) That sounds really good to me. Let's do it, you know? The Furious franchise has one more left, and then we get into the... Spinoffs or whatever, prequels, spinoffs, whatever they want to do, I'm up for. If they wanted to do like a Vinnie Bennett as Dom Toretto prison movie where he's in prison. I was about to say he looks like the prison break guy. (laughs) He kind of does. Wentworth Miller is the man you're thinking of. Um, I have have tattooed every racetrack in this goddamn country onto my body. (laughs) Okay. All right. Max, other things about this movie that you liked or didn't like or or whatever. I mean, there were just like there there were I, there were a lot of like just little things I really enjoyed. The Elon Musk character amazing. He was Otto. a real shithead. Yeah. Yeah. I love a uh Caspian Sea hideout. That's very like Pierce Brosnan era <laughs> James Bond. Yep. Like that was a cool spot for sure. Yeah, that was very much my thing. Um, again, more Tbilisi launch pad. Launch pad. They didn't need to throw that in. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. There cool. is no launch pad there, but <laughs> nice shout out. <laughs> you checked. Uh, what was the other thing? Uh, Pontiac Fieros are sick. Um, and Francis Ngannou. I did not know he was going to be in this. I had not seen Who's the that? trailer. He was the the last guy in the truck who spoke French and they like attached a mind to him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. UFC heavyweight champion. 
Uh, All wrong okay. badass. Gotcha. The biggest dude in Cameroon. Gotcha. Uh, I had to look. I, I was like, oh, my God. Is that him? And it was, I guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Good um, work. I Okay. So a couple things I loved about this movie. I want to go into – I want to stay positive. I want to stay positive as much as I can because there's some things I really – that did not work for me in, in F9. Um. I think the me all the Mia and Letty stuff, like give me more of that. What mm-hmm. if if you want to do a spin-off that's like a spy thriller with Mia and Letty running around fucking wherever Tokyo? you know, Tokyo or I mean, Czechoslovakia. They were so like natural in that noodle spot. I I just like I don't even care if that's campy. I don't even care you know, and I think your your camp comparison of like a nineties James Bond, like all the Brosnan James Bond stuff was sort of trying to do what these movies are doing now, right? Which is like be wild and campy and fun and and like but um but yeah, the Mia and Letty stuff I was into. Like just give me those give me give me that storyline for like a whole movie. I'm down to watch it, please. You know, and that fight scene they had in the apartment, Letty was kicking fucking ass, and it was mm-hmm. awesome. It was awesome, you know. Uh, so I was into that basically. Um, yeah, uh, and then I also think like the retconning of the storyline overall. I know we delved into the flashbacks a little bit, like, and the retconning of Sun Kang's death. What's retcon mean? Uh, it just means like reconstructing the um, the retroactive construction. Yeah, retroactive something. Just means like something happened, and then you like go back and show a previous scene where it's like actually it didn't happen, and this actually happened. You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Got it. Um, I thought it worked pretty well in a way. It was like. Oh, this is like a feature of the movie. They're actually like doing this in a way where it's like it's not a bug that they have to f- fix, and it's not like a a hurdle that they have to give over. They're just like leaning into it and being like, "This is silly." This is Han, <laughs> right? Is yeah, that what Han. we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I mean, in the lead up to this movie, when I was reading just like online chatter, that was the number one thing people were talking about. How were they going to bring him back into it? Right, right, of course, yeah. And then the the movie treated it obviously pretty seriously. They treated it seriously, but it was like I just felt they had this attitude of like, look, we're never going to be able to do this in a way because we've already retconned this storyline in terms of him dying, and then he, you know, we have him in the the quote unquote prequels of four and five and six. And then, you know, Jason Statham is a bad guy, but then he's not. We've already messed with this sort of weird fulcrum point of Han's death so many times. We are not going to be able to get away with it again in a serious way. Mm -hmm. Right? So let's just, like, do it. You know? It's like, we don't have to, like, sell this in a way that's, like... The you know fans will be like, well, that was you know that wasn't believable. We don't have to justify ourselves. Basically, we just like do it, and we're gonna write a crazy thing, and Mister Nobody's gonna be there, and it'll be fun, and it's like people will get over it, and we'll have a good time with Han back in the picture. Basically, is how I felt. So I I, I like that they sort of took that approach rather than like 
this is the most serious thing in the world, and this is what really happened. You know, mm-hmm. Han is an angel, and he's back <laughs> for revenge. And I got, but really I guess with with the post credit with with no when when um Tyree starts talking about invincibility and and I was like oh no like they're going to use that pitch point as a way to bring Han back and I was like no 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 no, no. Don't, don't do that please you know but they didn't which I appreciated Daryl what did you how did you feel about Han Coming back, how did you feel about Sung Kang's performance? How did you feel about the whole thing? So, uh, I was satisfied with the bring back. I was like, all right, let's use Mr. Nobody. That's fine. Yeah. The RSX blows up in the street. You're gone. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, was, I wasn't expecting them to have that character L show up as the yeah. uh, key to Ares here. Right. And in my little debrief, trying to figure out what was going on, I was like, oh, this person's name is L. Is it like Giselle? Oh, oh my God! <laughs> the daughter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that's that's shown to be not the case, right? I mean, yeah, she has not, different parents. Yeah, but they could always related. change it. They could always retcon. I mean, that's the thing. They could always change, <laughs> they could always change it. <laughs> um, I think she's Anna Anna Sawai is her name. She's from New Zealand. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You definitely had a. Uh, she spoke the Queen's English. Uh, she, well, sort of. I wouldn't say that New Zealanders. Really <laughs> 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 um, she was in a series called Love and Shame, I think, about like a detective from Tokyo in London looking for like his family member, whatever. It which is was fucking awesome. So, that's where she came from. I thought it was, like, an interesting touch. I don't really think you needed her in the movie, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt like she was there to be the, the like, code for the Ares, Project Ares, right? It's like, and that everything really requires a human connection, which is the most important thing in the world. Is love mm-hmm. unlocks... All the, like, global nuclear weaponry systems, (laughs) right? Well, because he started his own family out there, like, his own family of choice. The same way the whole Dom, like, hierarchy of families. But I did like, I did like how the key to the movie, quite literally the key, uh, was related to the Han part of the story, but not him himself. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he is the linchpin of the story. Right. But it was something that he was very involved with, so had to be part of all those scenes. Yeah, and I agree. The only thing I think about the Han stuff I didn't like, and the girl is like a separate thing, and I honestly thought it was fine. Like, I I didn't have a big issue with it. I just, the only thing I didn't love is the idea that Han was like a super secret spy guy in Japan before, you know, while he was doing all the Lucas Black fucking around stuff. What to me, what that did was like take away his grieving, right? So like part of his character in 
part of what Six sort of imbued in his character in three was that like this is a man in deep grief over the loss of Giselle and like his and and all he can sort of really do is go to the place that they always talked about. But once he's there, you know, it doesn't solve his grief and he doesn't really know what to do. So he kind of just fucks around and fuddles with these like low life criminals, kinda, and gets into street high school racing. criminals. Yeah, and 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 that's sort of like a nice poignant thing of Han's character. But now that he was like this super, actually this super secret spy for Mr. Nobody for a while there, mm-hmm. that didn't, it felt like it Less sort of satisfying. took away that piece. Yeah, that he actually had purpose in Japan rather than sort of wandering around aimlessly. So. Bridging from that, what do we mm. think of uh, Earl and Sean and uh, Twink <laughs> in the movie here? <laughs> Uh, what did you think, bud? Because I was amped for them, and I'll tell you my thoughts in a minute. But what yeah. did you think? I loved them. I loved them. I love that Sean became some <laughs> remote control specialist. Earl's over here being rocket scientist. Uh, Twink looks terrible. I was just like, he how? doesn't look good. He doesn't, doesn't look, look good. good. Yeah. yeah, but I liked. Yeah, I liked them a lot. I like. Why them too. didn't? Tyrese and Ludacris recognize the one guy there, the J- the Japanese dude. Why didn't they recognize him? They never interacted. But they recognized Bow Wow and Lucas Black, right? Mm, hmm. No, no, no. Okay, I never mind. So. They I take that showed back. Up. Yeah, like yeah. God, I got it, got it. We were sent yeah. to Germany to see you, Wahoos. Why? Yeah, again? yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom told us okay. to come here and see you, <laughs> a bunch of crackpots. What are, you, what are we? What are we supposed to do here? Um, I wish they were in a little more of this movie. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, Dude, now they're back. Now they are back in the main series. They, yeah. They're never going away. I hope not. I mean, I hope they like. I love them as like this comedic chorus of three like bumbleheads messing around, you know? <laughs> and I wish that like Bow Wow had been with them. I think like, I know that like the plane has two pilots and that like it made sense for them just like be Sean and Earl in the plane together. But I think it would have been a nice comedic moment to like just pack the cockpit with all three of them. If like, they chose, if they chose the a plane. different vehicle, not instead of, of a Fiero, they got some sort of a four door, then they can send four people to space. <laughs> I thought that would have been good, you know? And I also think like you could have easily swapped out the Looney Tunes stuff of Tyrese and Ludacris with Looney Tunes stuff of Sean, uh, Twink, and Earl. Totally. And I actually think it would have worked better, where it was like these aren't characters we've been with for eight movies or set, you know six movies, however many they've been in together. We don't have that much of a back history with them. Let's just take this little piece and pull it out and make it the sort of Looney Tunes fun thing to do. Hmm. I would have been much more on board with that. I think as a comedic uh, point, because it really only was the two scenes. Yeah, it's two scenes with them, and they're 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 good great. scenes. Yeah, they're kind of great. They're, they're great. great. Earl killed it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Justin Jason Tobin, I think, mm-hmm. uh, who is on a show called Warrior, which I've never watched, but many people enjoy. 
And Lucas Black with his like incredible facial expressions mm-hmm. and like head movements, like he acted more in his two scenes than I think he did in the third movie. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> I agree as well. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. He looks pretty good. He looks nice beard. Nice, yeah, he's, healthy. He's healthy. He eats a lot of beard. fish, according to his Instagram. So <laughs> <laughs> does the rock. Especially on Fridays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed them a ton. I thought those scenes were great. Um, and I think the space car Fiero, it was like great. I, I had a good time with it, basically. <laughs> Did you, Daryl? Oh, yeah, I liked yeah. it. I think the, um, yeah, the self-awareness of the movie, like, what are we going to do, like, go to space? Like, that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> I love like, that. All right, I'll take it. I love that. Um, right, There's what? also, like, a, a uh, self-awareness in the, we're going to space in a car. It might as well be a fucking Fiero with stickers tacked onto it like we're gonna it is this is a joke and we might as well be dressed up in scuba suits to do it exactly right we're gonna lean into the joke part yeah yeah and daryl you and i were pulling on this point a little bit from the trailer last week where it was like are they in space we weren't sure if they were going in space or underwater Mm -hmm. because they were wearing the scuba suits and we were like well it doesn't seem practical and it wasn't and but i didn't care it was still fun you know yeah yeah. Um, what did we think? I mean, what did we think about the, was it the, what did you call it? The hero scene where they're taking over the armored um, computer bus thing. They've got the magnet. They've got the two magnet chargers. Mm-hmm. They've got the Chevy SS. They've got the Supra coming up. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty big event to try to overtake this thing. Mm-hmm. Magnet it, flip it over, mm-hmm. and then they just run. They just run music at that time, and you have people jumping on and off of a Didn't upside like down truck, yep. flying down a dirt hill. Yep, yep. I I remember that because it's intercuts between them in space. It's the big pep talk between Ludacris and Tyrese in space, saying like we're and we're focusing on that. And then it's like silently cutting over to like the whole mission of getting into this truck thing. And as soon as it started, I was like, no, 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 no. Go back to the, go back to the mission part. I like that part. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of, I mean, yeah, I, 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 that felt to me like a decision that was made in the editing bay. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like. They had a whole scene prepared for for that, and then at a certain point, they were just like, oh, we got to cut five minutes out of this movie. Let's yeah, I kind of liked it. Yeah. I kind of liked it, because like, we've seen that before. Yeah. How many times have we had like a multi-minute situation where they're overtaking and then the ca- they're compromising the and then getting into... Yeah, we've seen that so many times. Right. And to just be like, we've set it all up. And we are going to do it because that this is where the plot is going. But do do I need to see every beat of that? Or can I just watch some guys in space 
and get a fun montage of them getting into the uh, the beast, as they called it. Interesting. No one ever like named it. Just everyone just right. started referring to it as the beast. Right. I, I was wondering if that was a something I missed. I mean, maybe I I missed yeah. a lot, kind of, mm. in terms of the expositional dialogue stuff. I also didn't feel like that big train truck. We're gonna have to call it something. I didn't think the beast was that threatening or that dynamic a thing to make your climactic action scene around, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's a big box on wheels. And like, we've seen these guys take over some pretty big boxes on wheels in the past, right? Mm-hmm. They had a train. They had no offense. Five. They had a plane in Fat Furious 6. They had a bus in Furious 7. Submarine. There was a there was a submarine. There at was one a point. submarine at one point. That's right. That's right. And at the same time, they had a simultaneous submarine and plane in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just felt like it was a little scaled down in a weird way. You know, maybe they thought the Beast Bus when they were editing it over the past two years just wasn't exciting enough. Mm. Like, we've done this so many times. The space is the interesting part. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Then do do a space scene instead of, like, making the space scene your comedic side thing. Right? That kind of brings me to a question I have. Mm. This got pushed a year plus, I think. Yeah. What kind of tweaks or changes do you think happen during a period like that like do you obsess over little like how how many edits happen or do they just say like a year ago it's in the bag i mean all speculation i think they or just in general when things get pushed i mean my speculate my i would speculate they locked the picture and they walked away okay for a year yeah I mean, the only thing I could see them doing would be trying to clean up visual effects, like make them, you know, like using that time so that they're not as crunched on visual effects. But when you're into the like finished render visual effects stuff, your picture is locked because you can't cut it without hugely affecting the amount of work the visual effects people have to do. So what you're saying is the new James Bond movie needs a pandemic. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the trailer. I'm uh, I'm pumped for the new James Bond, but but we're like the visual effects didn't even look good in this movie. So I do feel I feel like they just locked it and walked away, you know. And like the studio's like, I'm not paying Justin Lin to sit around and fucking tweak with his movie for a year like i'm not paying editors to sit and rent in studio bays to like mess with a picture for a year like mm-hmm. you know, this that makes total locked. sense we'll keep it in the can we'll like pause the marketing and then when it you know we'll ramp it up and they hit this at the exact right point i mean that's the other thing is like they just they just nailed it it came out a month mm-hmm. ago in china this movie has already made Actually, I want to two, look up two twenty something. 
worldwide. As of when I looked this morning. I, that's not counting today. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what the domestic weekend is going to look like. I'm not sure. I would imagine somewhere around... Yeah, I mean, I, it's just hard to tell. Hard to tell. I took a maskless selfie in the theater being like, thank God Fast 9 came out before the Delta variant came to New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the... Um... We'll see what the domestic weekend looks like on Monday or so. But I'm trying to look up like what it's made worldwide so far. And it's a lot of money is the answer. 329 worldwide as of now. That's before a US domestic release. Wow. And it's already made $36 million basically overnight in the US. So I think it's gonna be a big <laughs> a big fucking hit. <laughs> you know? Um so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's going to clear a billy, but it's going to it's gonna make money, and they'll, they'll do a tenth one, and it's going to be great. But mm-hmm. I do think they hit it right at the time of, like, everybody's opening up and coming out of the pandemic. And this is the movie that Tenant was sort of trying to be, like, the position of, like, we're back, baby. The movie <laughs> theaters are back. <laughs> you know? And all is right in the world. Yeah. Lynn... Saved the theaters, yep. not Nolan. Yep, exactly. And Nolan must be like, Justin, you know? Um, all right. couple more things from me, and I'm going to get a little bit in the negative. But not too negative. I have one big negative on this movie that it really bothered me the whole time. Ramsey driving a truck as a joke does not count as women driving in this movie. Like, Letty drives some, but again, as we've talked about before, Daryl, she's the only one who's allowed to for some fucking reason. And Cypher didn't get in the car, and (laughs) Ramsey drove a truck comedically, which was bullshit. Mm -hmm. And Mia Mia, drives something? Mia? Does she drive at all in this movie? I don't think so. Wasn't there also, back in the day, the same gag where Devin Aoki was like, I don't drive? No, Devin Aoki was a real, was a race, was a race machine. She didn't know how to drive before Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, that was, okay, the That's actress. the actual did real know, story. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. I think Mia gets to drive one of the uh, armored, uh, one of the trucks in the, yeah. In the end sequence, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Doesn't really like. I want them to see them doing that because all that ends up being is like they drive to the truck, and mm-hmm. then they stay at a cruising speed with the truck. You know, Helen Mirren gets to drive. Yes, she does, and yes, she, she does, does well. She does, and she drives pretty well. And I liked it as soon as that happened. I was like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. get it. You know, um, I guess really it's Mia who I. And fr- get frustrated about you know yeah. it's like a person that we know canonically knows how to drive and knows how to drive really well and is like a good racer get her in the fucking car and have her do some like awesome race shit basically everybody else gets to mm-hmm. um it really bothered me like kind of throughout the whole movie 
You know, I kept waiting for it and waiting for it. And then as soon as, like, she shows up driving the, like, car for the armored vehicle heist, I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. Okay, Mm. well, fuck you guys, kind of, you know. I mean, she gets to do, like, the action spy stuff with Letty a little bit, but then that ends up being, like, Letty kicking ass pretty much. Mm. Me, me, I get some fight scenes in there. That's all right. That's all right. So, I mean... Yeah, it does kind of suck. I do think that they did the Mia and Brian stuff pretty well. Yeah, in this movie, right? Yeah, the, even the bringing in of Mia in, into it, just like, oh, we just discovered that Jacob is around. Mm-hmm. She knows about Jacob already. Mm-hmm. She shows up with the rest of the crew. Brian's at home taking care of kids. Yeah, like, okay. I accept that. This works. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I thought it was a nice touch at the end, too. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, the last sort of thing I have to talk about with you guys is I think there's too little Cypher. They just felt like they're just sort of getting Cypher through this movie to be the final villain in 10. Mm. That's what that felt like to me. Because all she she kind of just hangs out in a box for a lot of the movie, and then she's like in a warehouse with nobody else, and then she drives a drone, which I did get faked out by the drone thing. I thought it was kind of a good fake out, yeah, and it got me for a second. But uh, yeah, I just I was like, oh, they just got to get her through this movie basically, and then she'll have more to do hopefully in ten, and maybe get behind the wheel of a fucking car. That'd be cool. I think so. I think that's coming. I think they're going to put her in some sort of tricked out Mini Cooper. Maybe oh. like a Mini Cooper club now. Oh, my God. Italian job style. Another <laughs> Charlie's Tehran vehicle. In a great movie. In a pretty good movie. In a pretty, in a pretty good movie. Yeah. I agree uh, with that, though. I think they, I think they strung her along for this, for this movie. They had so, there's so many characters. Like... 30 yeah. characters or something. In this That's movie. why, so, not to shunt us all the way to the end, because mm-hmm. there are more things to talk about. Yeah, do but it. the post-credits, the post-credits scene, I think, is shunting Han to the Hobbs and Shaw universe. Uh, you don't yeah. think so, no. So, I mean, so they're gone. That's, I mean, I can see that. I see that connection, but that kind of sucks. I mean, we mm-hmm. had all the ramp up to get Han into the main franchise here, yeah. only to kick him off to the secondary franchise. Sucks. Yeah. Sucks. I don't think they're that. I don't think they're going to do that. No. I don't think. I don't think they're going to do that. Which I then why wasn't the Rock in this movie? Because the Rock and Tyrese and Vin Diesel hate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why they bid against him significantly. Yeah. We got Bow Wow in the movie, for Christ's sake. Why? We don't need The Rock. We got Bow Wow, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Equal status. Equal status. We got I Lucas think... Black and Bow Wow and Jason Tobin, and that equals one rock. Mm-hmm. On pure I... mass standpoint, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my takeaway from the end scene was not that they're going to send Sung Kang over to Hobbs and Shaw. It's mm-hmm. rather they're leaving the door open to bring Jason, Jason Statham back, back into in. the main franchise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
I agree. I also think they're setting up as like we're gonna deal with this. We gotta kill him. We're gonna settle it. We gotta kill him. Settle it. Which they'll settle in a way where they're both, you know, alive and then get over brothers and they're gonna hug. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I think would be kind of good in terms of like shifting Han over to the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff series was if they like dove in, committed, and like made it happen where Han was the straight up villain of the Mm -hmm. movie. Right? And was like That'd be sick. Hunting Shaw down the whole movie. Right? And so like we're all kind of on board and conflicted the whole time and you know, I I would I would I don't think I would love that, but I would be I could see a way where they would do that and have it be kind of fun. You know? Mm. How that post credit scene is actually the last scene of the next movie and he just pops him in the head. (laughs) That would be good too. That would be good too. Honestly, when I was watching the end scene and he's doing the punching bag and I was like, who's that? And I was like, that's the that's DK right there. That's the drift kick. <laughs> Beefing <laughs> up. I was thinking. <laughs> that would be good. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. The one thing that didn't pop up, which I thought might, was any of the Etienne super enhanced human stuff. Um, which is a way they could tie their like invincibility gag meta narrative and like the real world Fast and Furious stuff sort of together was to be like, oh, we are invincible. We got enhanced with this Etienne technology. Mm. I don't think it's that. I don't think I. I think they kind of just kind of want to leave Hobson Shaw to do its own thing. At this point, with the pandemic, I, I don't even know if Hobson Shaw is going to happen. Too is going to happen. I, I, I'm not saying it's not. I have no knowledge of development of that movie. I have no idea, like, where, you know, whatever. But I could definitely, it would not surprise me if everybody kind of walked away from it. Yeah. I mean, if you're universal, you're going to be like, all right, well, Fast 9 is slapping right now. Yeah. Let's just funnel a few, yeah, let's funnel some more millions into part 10, part, yeah. Part 10, 1 and 2, A and B. And let's spend our resources developing, like, fun other uh, spinoffs of, like, Fast and Furious Presents, Teen, Dom, and Mia, you know, like, that kind of thing. Or, like, Mm -hmm. Dom's prison thing or or whatever. Can you imagine the retro Mia? I mean, it would be great. We, We didn't get to see. We didn't get I mean, to see. I would love. I would love to see. Yeah, I would love to see too. I would love to see. I do think the 1989 again, maybe further threw off our timeline in terms of what, what the fuck, how the fuck old these it, people. It are. means Dom is in his fifties. Yeah. Wait a minute. 1989, mm-hmm. 2001. That's twelve years apart. And we, Daryl, you and I have long suspected that Dom and Brian are about 24 or 25 in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Which would mean that... He's supposed to be 12? 12. 12. <laughs> oh, no. like, right? He looks 19. So Dom, in the current day, is mid-late 50s. Right. I do think they're... They, I think they've done some math. I think he's supposed to be 18 or 19, which would make him 30 in the first one, and then going forward, he'd, he'd end up somewhere in his 50s. Although mm. that doesn't actually work out 
through other contextual timeline clues and like well, the movies. The are movies much more don't follow the years. Well, I so the weird part about that is like you're right, they don't. Like there are all these context clues in the movies and like the way things happen that makes it so that that cannot be the case. Like they cannot mm-hmm. follow the movies, especially like four and four ending and five starting right next to each other. Timelines of Mia's pregnancy and st- like all that stuff doesn't makes it so that they can't follow the years and the age of Jack over three years, whatever. Right. Smartphones. Smart. Well, okay, but let's ignore the tech for a second. <laughs> they cannot, but then the like writers and studio sort of just throw up their hands and pretend like they do follow the years of the, when the movies are released. Right. They, it's sort of like this weird thing that fights each other. It's crazy. It's a crazy mm-hmm. timeline that doesn't make any sense. And like, we should really stop racking our brains around it, to be honest with you. Dom um, is somewhere between 35 and 55. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. He's not a good looking 35 if he's 35. But he's a great looking 55. Everybody's looking a little middle-aged in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Was another thing I noticed. A little mm-hmm. middle-aged at this point. That's the bronze skin tone, all right? They're going to be immortalized in that current look, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, but Dom, Mia, Tyrese is really looking a little middle-aged, a little dark. Tyrese is definitely looking like he's eating a lot these days. Right. It's almost as if they didn't think they were going to do another movie and they're like, oh man, I've got, I made some lifestyle change adjustments <laughs> that I can't really go back on. I will I say, this, I, oh, keep going, keep going. I will say Vin was looking real trim until he stood side by side with John Cena and I was totally. like, all right, well, you're looking totally. a little bit small. And John Cena, totally. I thought, was fun in this movie too. I didn't mind oh. him. So, my negatives on this movie were mm. John Cena. <laughs> John Cena and John Cena. <laughs> the, the guy, he's a comedic character. Right. He is a, like a, like a sly good guy. That's his whole shtick. Right. And just being just like a bad dude. And like peering through windows or peering <laughs> through the prison bars. Yo. It does not work. <laughs> It is so fucking weird. He does not play like a true villain well at all. Uh-huh. It's some real like uh, vegetable tales shit. <laughs> no, I think that's more in the Lucas Black kind of things. But uh, <laughs> but sorry, Daryl, you're gonna say something about John Cena. I love I loved that scene where they're all like having the bonding moment, reuniting with uh, Han. That he's telling their story and. Um, and Jacob is in the prison cell, like looking at them, having a warm embrace, and he's like, "I don't have any friends or family," and he shrinks back into the shadows. Perfect. I love it. That plus, like he wears, he wears the same outfits that Dom wears. He's got the chain. He's got the short sleeves. I love sleeves. the suit with the black shirt the and the chain over it, like fucking like like us. A nineties like gangster. I love that shit. Oh man. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing I think that gives him just enough villain energy is his short little arms. <laughs> I don't know why, but the dude looks like a T Rex and I'm like, okay, I can get he's mad about yeah. his short little arms. <laughs> no. They also gave him the, the dark hair. 
Oh, of a villain. Yeah, the dark yeah, hair. Beautiful, well. slick back. Yeah. yeah. Evil hairstyle. I thought he did, for what he needed to do, I thought he did it just fine. And like I had a good time watching him do it, basically. I guess my problem was I was bringing in like previous John Cena baggage. Yeah. Assuming there would be like fun times, like a quips in a science. Right, in like a, uh, what's that movie, uh, train wreck kind of way. I did not see it. I'm talking pure wrestling. Right, okay, gotcha, but gotcha. There, there is a way to be a bad guy and also funny. Sure, yeah. And he just minus the jokes and yeah. plus the scowlings. Yeah, yes. I don't think he's the strongest point of the movie. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I really am not <laughs> trying to say that. But I think he showed up, he did the job, and like pretending I've never seen John Cena before and never seen him in another movie, I'm like, yeah, this works pretty well. And they look Dana exactly Carvey in a the same. muscle suit? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a master of disguise. Um, do you guys have anything else before we shout out that you want to talk about? Kind of feel like we did it, right? I think we, I think we knocked this out. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I had a note here, but I think we covered it early on. I think the Dom drowning flashback was like one of the best scenes. Yeah. One of the best yeah. like tools to deliver um like narrative context but also like one awesome. of the best one of the best scenes in the movie like totally. you start with this superhuman i'm just going to beat up like 20 dudes on this balcony here i'm going to rip the balcony down then i'm going to plunge into water yeah womb, a silo full of water baptism <laughs> isolation chamber like yeah. yeah like sensory deprivation and then I'm going to have this crazy flashback sequence where I reunite with my father and my brother and I work out all my shit simultaneously. I and thought it was great and special. Letty Every single piece of the flashback stuff worked for me. Amazing. It was sick, except one. for the prosthetic chin they put on his dad. Did you see this? No. There I didn't was see it. Yeah. A prosthetic chin they put on his dad to bridge the the visual gap oh, between him and John Cena. Okay. Ooh. Very interesting. But that, the drowning shit was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the like racing flashback where they like compete and then Jacob loses and he's like oh. crying. As he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> like, Too soon. Like, oh God. I'm like, oh, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. But actually, yeah, that whole thing was really my favorite because. Like, we've seen all different versions of the L.A. street race, mm-hmm. but in 2021, we've gotten to experience it in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah, extreme slow motion. It was great. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Should we do some shout-outs? Got a couple shout I got one shout-out. Yeah, one shout-out. Roll right into it, bro. So, I mean, I've said it a couple times here, skin tone, bronzing is a huge part of mm. the aesthetic of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you can do in real life to get your skin tone absolutely perfect this summer is use high Hawaiian Tropic Sheer Touch sunscreen. So, mm-hmm. in the past, I've given a shout out to Banana Boat. 
sunscreen. Yep. I've been a banana boat boy since day one. As have I we decided all, to change it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I decided to change it up. I went for the Hawaiian Tropic. This shit is nice. It's good, huh? Better feel. Same SPF. Smells kind of nice. What SP, What's SPF do you do? This one's a 50. Mm, I thought I actually bought way. a 30. I was yeah. a 30 boy before. I kind of accidentally bought this 50, but this 50 is nice, so I'm going to yeah, stick with it. does the job. 50 yeah. is the move. Less than that, I, you're going to get burned. Yeah, I need 50. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. look at me. I need. I need. 50. I'm currently burnt as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did main, fuck around with a 40. The main quality, I always buy 50. So the main quality I look for in a. Sunscreen is uh, uh, highest priority is application smoothness. Mm. It needs to go on pretty well. I got a whole method where I rub my hands together sometimes and I just flat on the face. Or sometimes I like do the arm. I do a little corner of my inner elbow and then I use my inner elbow mm. to sort of rub it along my face. The whole thing. Um, <laughs> I did not know you were a cat. <laughs> it's kind of a cat move yeah for sure i, I do like the the uh forearm and then face with yeah. the leftovers that's yeah. a big move that's a big move for sure but then smell is the second thing i look for mm-hmm. you know it's gonna smell not like piss which some of them do this Weirdly. one's nice this one's Good. got a nice nice like, yeah like nutty but not too nutty smell Excellent. And what's it called again? One more time for posterity. Hawaiian Touch. Hawaiian Tropic Sheer Touch. Hawaiian Topic sh- Tropic. Hawaiian, <laughs> Hawaiian Tropic to- Sheer Hot Topic touch. Hawaiian Tropic. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Hot Topic's Hawaiian-themed sunscreen. <laughs> Hawaiian Topic. Like a Trader Giatto's kind of thing. Precisely. Uh, uh, Max. Do you have a shout-out this week that you want to give, or uh, it's cool if you don't? I mean, I I can have a yeah. shout-out. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of Pepsi Max's new rebrand. Uh, they no. no longer call it Pepsi Max. Whoa. It's now just Pepsi Zero Sugar. Though, That's less cool. it has the other fake sugar and uh, has the elevated caffeine. Oh. So, Pepsi Max fans out there, just go for the Pepsi Black. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Is Pepsi uh, Black the co- caffeinated one or the coffee flavored one? Pepsi Max was the caffeinated one. Okay. Pepsi Black is now the caffeinated one. And is this they make Pepsi Zero Sugar is now the Coke Zero competitor plus extra caffeine. They're, they're 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 messing with multiple dials at the same time. Yeah, is this a shout out or an anti shout out? Is this in your bag a good or a bad thing? Well, depending on my uh, performance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been all right. I would have to say it's a plus. It's a tasty it's a drink. Yeah, it's we're we're in the tomorrow hours. Right, we're still right. rocking and rolling. Yeah. All right. So we're saying we're saying that Pepsi is the regular. This is a this this of is Pepsi a new regular. a new different fake sugar plus extra caffeine 
uh, product. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All yeah. Right. Shout out to Pepsi things, Zero Sugar. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, my shout out this week, uh, I kind of got a special one. This is like the highest honors shout out I've ever, I think I've ever given. given. Wow. Um, I'm going to give it out. It's a little sentimental for me. I'm going to give it out to like the greatest to ever do it, Conan O'Brien. Conan's show is ending this week. His daily show on TBS, or his nightly show Last on night. TBS. Um, and he's going to like do come back and do something for like HBO Max in some way. I imagine it's going to be kind of like a David Letterman interview show that he was doing for Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not, he's not going to be a late night guy anymore. And um, I grew up watching Conan and uh, watching him uh, on on Late Night and then watching him on uh, The Tonight Show and then watching his TBS show. And um, I know there's this way people talk about Letterman, like all, people a little older than us talk about like Letterman of like, he was just my guy, you know, and they just like sat down and they watched Letterman every night and it just like formed their entire like the way they thought about comedy and the way that, you know, Conan was my guy. He was my letterman, Mm. you know? And I was just like the guy I sat down and I watched every night and, uh, uh, just became the guy who formed the way I think about what's funny, you know? (laughs) And like, I don't like to try to style myself after what Conan does, but I just, I loved Conan. I'm going to miss him. I, I thought he was like the smartest, quickest, nicest dude. He always did it without a vindictiveness or like really like poking at people and really making fun of them. He just did it with like having a good time for the most. He just wanted to be silly and have a good time. And I've always really appreciated that. Uh, and I'm going to be sad to see him go, basically. And he wrote the greatest Simpsons episode of all time, the monorail episode, which I was is awesome. So, some of the yeah. greatest Simpsons seasons, and also the greatest sketch, like online sketch of all time, eighteen seventy one baseball. Yeah, yeah, one of the greatest remote segment ever made on a late night television program. Uh, yeah, he's my dude. I love him. I'm excited to see what's next for him. Like, I'm glad he's not done. Uh, Done, done, but uh, it'll be... I'll miss him, basically. Yeah. So, anyway, after that kind of bummer, uh, if you miss us, or if you want to react to us about our Fast 9 thoughts, uh, we're going to watch this movie again, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. Poll... Okay, polls for... uh, Let me just get through this. Fast nine, just reach out to us on Twitter at an old podcast, N O L T T podcast on Twitter. We're at No One Likes to Tune a Podcast on Instagram. No One Likes to Tune Podcast at gmail.com. Please throw us a rating or a review, preferably both, on Apple Podcasts. It totally helps us out. We're having a great time doing this. We'd love more people to have a good time doing this with us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give us a shout out. And, um, Patreon.com, patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. Polls are up now as of this episode going live for 
two sets of in-betweener movies because we've watched enough of these motherfucking Fast and Furious movies 20 times in a row and we're going to do two weeks of in-betweeners and take a break before starting the next cycle, cycle 21. So Mm -hmm. um, look for those. If you want to vote in those polls, just throw us a buck, like literally $1 on patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. There's a bunch of back episodes there. We're going to crank out a Riddick episode very shortly. It's on the books. Uh, And uh, that'll be up there in the next week or so. And uh, uh, we're really trying to get some good stuff up there for you guys. And I'm sorry we've been a little lax on it, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, um, I won't spoil what's in the in-betweener polls yet. You'll have to see them up there. But I'll... uh, I'll tweet it out. I guess I'll tweet at, at whoever, whatever is the thing. So, yeah. A little late on that. So, anyway, Max Ziskin, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Daryl Wong, thank you as always, my friend, for being on this ride with me. It's, it's miserable, but it's so much less miserable having you here. You guys love it. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's a saga. What can we do, you know? Saga continues.